0: Good afternoon, and welcome to Trial by Fire podcast with your hosts, Stacey and Rachel. Stacey, how are you doing today? Pretty good. It's still Lent, so I'm still happy. Yes, it's your season, and we are definitely hitting the. Um, we're heading toward the gold line with the approaching Easter, so we still have lots to discover and talk about today. But we're going to first start with some opening prayer. Awesome. All right.
1: In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Mm-hmm. Armed with God's justice and power, let us prove ourselves through patient endurance. When the Lord delivered Zion from bondage, it seemed like a dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. On our lips there were songs. The heathens themselves said, What marvels the Lord worked for them? What marvels the Lord worked for us? Indeed, we were glad. Deliver us, O Lord, from our bondage as streams in dry land. Those who are sowing in tears will sing when they reap. They go out, they go out full of tears, carrying seed for the sowing. They come back, they come back full of song, carrying their sheaves. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
0: Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, yeah, let's do a Lent check. Stace, how's your Lent going? So, my aunt is going uh, really well.
1: Uh, Gabe and I are still praying together, although we have fell off the wagon a couple of times. Um, but that's going well. That's, uh, that's, like, phenomenal for us, not to set the bar low. But then again, I wouldn't have to set the bar low, because for us to pray together, the bar is on the ground. So, <laughs> so we are excelling in that department, But, you know, if you came to Mass or you streamed Mass this past Sunday, you saw the priest, at least if your church parish uh, has him, uh, he would have been wearing rose-colored vestments. So that means this past Sunday was actually Latari Sunday, uh, which is the Latin, I think it's actually the imperative form or whatever, for rejoice. So so that actually marks, I know everyone's so bored that I'm talking about Latin, but um, actually that is a visual reminder that we are at the halfway point. We're a little more than halfway done with Lent, so we don't have much time left before, you know, we're going to have Palm Sunday before you know it.
0: Well, wait is interesting is my sister was super excited about Latari Sunday. I had no idea, really in my mind it was a thing. Like, I was just like, no, I didn't understand. She was like, "Uh, my sister is very fashion forward, my middle sister Hannah, uh, if anyone knows her, um, she loves, like, assembling her church outfits with the church calendar. She gets super invested in it. Um, She loves it. And so she comes up and in this pink outfit, it. I'm like what are you doing and she goes it's Latari Sunday you gotta wear your pink and I'm like okay mean girls chill because of a line from mean girls and she goes no Rachel open a book and I was oh my god like it's I so couldn't big. believe her sass right and so I was so impressed that she knew that um because then uh, Father Vince made it a point and I was like dang like I just like totally missed it uh, but I was very impressed, and um, for me, I always just assumed pink was the, the Advent week, so I was just like, oh, it's just one It's time
1: actually, so you probably did read a book, because it's actually connected, so in Lent, we have Latari Sunday, and then Advent, we have Gaudete Sunday, so in Lent, Latari Sunday is the fourth Sunday of Lent, and it's about the halfway mark in Advent, uh, Gaudete Sunday is the third Sunday in Lent, which gives us one more week. So, um, yeah, and they basically, they come from, um, if you're really old, hopefully I didn't isolate anyone by saying that, but if you're really old and you remember the Mass being in Latin, uh, the terms come from the Introit of the uh, Mass, which is the rejoice with ye old Jerusalem. That's kind of where we get it. So, uh-huh. so they are connected. A lot of parishes don't have a pink vestment, Uh, mainly because, um, there's only two times a year that you can wear, the priest can actually wear a pink chasuble, and that is Latari Sunday or Gaudete Sunday, so many parishes don't have it, but it is neat when your parish does have it, because it really stands out as like, whoa, wait, what, what day is it that the priest has pink on? By the way, if you want to get on good times with your priest, don't call it pink, it's rose.
0: Oh, ah, well, that's even better. She's a huge fan of rose gold. So that's there like a win-win. She's going to be even yeah. more excited. I would call
1: it rose or maybe even mauve before I would call it pink. Yep. On a, these a, days you wear pink.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, I um, definitely, uh, this Lent has been very interesting because I don't know if it's just the pacing in my personal life or uh, just things going on, but I feel it. It has required so much more intention than I have in the recent years to be engaging with my Lenten sacrifice and really make time for God. Um, Taking the social media off my phone uh, was very... Now that I'm halfway through, it's been such a blessing just not having that distraction. I'm going to bed earlier. uh, I'm dedicating more time to just... Even just re- randomly opening a page of the Bible and reading a section. Uh, it's been very, very helpful in that regard. However, in the same token, it's also opening my eyes to things that I kind of let get passed over. Because I let myself get busy. And I let myself get uh, preoccupied with my phone and social media and posts. And I wasn't looking at little elements of my life that needed updating and fixing Um, this past week, um, in this local area, I don't know if anyone, uh, worked on this or not, uh, but it was the big spring cleaning day with our dump where it was like once twice a year you get your time where you get to put the excess trash Do out. You
1: think I participated in that.
0: You know what? No, because like, I'm a
1: minimalist. You, you are a minimalist. You but in my most
0: house. people aren't. What are you most... going to
1: what are you going to honestly
0: purge from my house? Oh, you have nothing because the you've trash got so don't even have stuff in. <laughs> no, on our house though, it was like, okay, get rid of these childhood memories, get them out. And I have this horrible thing about myself that I'm not super sentimental about things. And yet I'm a fan in a family where every item was like, Oh, I remember when you had this, I have this. So I have this keep or toss mentality where I'm just like, okay, if I don't need it, it's gone. And so when my family knew this was coming, you know, they were just like, Ooh, Rach, have fun. Like I know you're going to have fun. And I did the max, got everything to the street. My I was like, did you get rid of this? Did you get rid of that? I just didn't tell them the truth. I'm like, it's out there because I just want to purge it. If I had it my way, I would be taking stuff to the dump like every quarter and being like, "Get oh, rid wow. of it," just because I just like getting rid of stuff. I did a big donation at Goodwill. Really? Like, oh yeah. We're I- like
1: such minimalists in our house. Like we have like the smallest trash can. You know, like the cans. You, you know, the garbage truck. Yeah. You pay. All right. We we got the smallest one. And there's like plenty of weeks we, when ours is not even half full.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. That would be the goal. I don't think I am at that point, but I definitely enjoy having, just getting rid of things. I want to, I like getting rid of, um, one of the things I have done, I think ever since I went away to college, is every quarter I donate a quarter of my wardrobe. Oh, do you? I
1: have a secret box. I guess it's not really a secret anymore. I have one of those Home Depot moving boxes. Y'all can't see this, but it's about like, Yay big, right? Okay. And I just keep it in Katie's closet. And then, like, I just put things in there. And when it's full, I make Gabe take it. That way I try not to ever have too much.
0: So. Well, for me, it's just that, I don't know if it's just my ADD or whatever, but there'll be something that I pick up or someone gives me that I love. And then by a season, I either have torn it, don't use it anymore, stained it beyond repair uh, like repair or I'm just like you know what someone else could use this way better than I can so I try really hard to always get you know I would say like a decent like extra large box from the post office oh, and Lord. fill it with clothes really oh yeah because i also include shoes and purses the only time
1: i this is really bad but if y'all see the way i dress you're not surprised the only time i get something new is if i gotta wear if i wore something out or like i got a hole or like you know like if i rip the pants or something like that then i'll like get a new pair but
0: other than that i just ride out the same uh Close. Well, I had a period of about, I want to say it was like six years I was living out of a suitcase. Like, I only lived like what was in a suitcase for a really long time. Uh, just because I was like on the go, had things going on. And then I finally like had to settle down and put down some roots and that's when things started accumulating. And when I started seeing things built, I freaked out. I was like, get rid of it.
1: That's funny.
0: I was just like, oh man. You
1: could always be like gay like if he needs clothes he just tells me what he needs but if he's with me if he likes something he's going to buy one in every color
0: oh nice I'm like
1: you do realize that's the same pattern mhm he doesn't care
0: well if something works don't mess it up i, I mean, totally understand that well he's a guy he's a man he doesn't care i mean but yeah no it's just definitely um i will admit that i pre pandemic I had so many, like, work clothes to home clothes. Like, I had a very distinct line. But since I've been working so much from home, it's, like, business on top and jockey pajamas on the bottom oh, all the time. I'm like, oh, man, keep me in my sweats or my comfy shorts. I don't own sweats. Really? No. Okay, I don't own, like, sweat sweats. I own, like, comfy pajama pants.
1: I don't do pajamas unless I'm sleeping. Um, From that deal, that that mentality. Did if you got pajamas on and you're not sleeping, that's lazy.
0: Mm. Footballs on. You know, I remember when I thought that growing up until I went away to college. And in college, it was, like, the cool thing to, like, show up in your hooded sweatshirt and your pajama pants and be working on your stuff. Like, that was the culture at Sac State was, like, okay, we're at finals. Where's everyone in their flannels and their hoodies? And you're basically studying for 24 hours in the arc. Um, And I remember once I had, like, consecutive finals. I think I had, like, five finals in two days. And um, I remember I did not leave my little workstation unless it was to take a test and then return and study. And my, uh, my best friend came with, like, jamba juices, of energy, like, every few hours to make sure I was keeping fed. um, like, Kind of like a guinea pig. And so, you know, it's just, you adapted. Uh, but... Once that happened, back to my original point. Tangent aside, um, don't I was don't right so connected. Heavy duty
1: spiritual heavy duty.
0: We're having all the fun before we get deep. But no, I I donated so many business clothes because I have no idea when I'm going back and the business clothes I had had.
1: Oh, they Uh, so didn't match my aesthetic. This is
0: embarrassing, but like obviously I never wear
1: shorts to church. Mm -hmm. Of course, in my role now. I am wearing shorts at work on Sunday when it's warm enough. But, yeah, I basically, I had pants on on March 15th of 2020, I had to think for a second, at, at Daily Mass at St. Paul's, and then, like, I went, like, almost a year without having to put, I I just going to sound really bad, without having to put pants on again. I had yeah. shorts, but, like, long pants, you know what I mean? Like, dress pants? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I hear you. The pandemic has been weird for that kind
0: of stuff. Oh yeah, I got new tattoos during the pandemic. Oh just me like too. The day, right? Wait, no. <laughs> no. No, but it's about like checking yourself so you're not revealing new ink in the middle of mass because you're like, oh man, like you gotta stay covered. So it's just, it's definitely the things have changed and updated over time. Um, but I think one of the things that I've been really trying to actively focus on this Lent is the concept of forgiveness. Um, you know, we know, and whether you're the most devout Catholic or the ones just coming on back, you know, we know that Jesus was sacrificed and died for us so that our sins could be forgiven. Uh, it's just a norm among Christianity across faith, and we celebrate Easter thanking Jesus for that sacrifice for having our sins be uh, healed and forgiven. And for many people, they take, you know. It's not that we take advantage of it, but it's such a storybook norm among society that we don't really take a lot of time to reflect on what that truly means, that element of sacrifice. No, I agree. And
1: to backtrack uh, one second, you know, if you're listening today and you didn't realize the significance of the, um, the rose color vestments of Latari Sunday, the neat thing or the really cool thing, you can, the way you can use that in your future Lent is that if you were struggling or you were really, uh, even if you were having a phenomenal Lent, but your sacrifice that you chose or your good deed that you chose was really making you grow weary, boy, it's refreshing. And it almost, also is kind of like a checking point because when you come to Mass and you see that he's in pink, you're like, oh, what have I been doing?
0: Mm-hmm. how have I have been doing
1: because we're it's like a visual reminder right because like I was saying it's only twice twice a year in the liturgical calendar that he can do that when you see it it's just like a, like you can check yourself like how am I doing you know do I need to like tighten up or what like you know am I kind of dogging it over here so but to speak to fast forward and get back on topic and speak to your the forgiveness aspect you know forgiveness is an interesting thing because I've personally known plenty of people, whether they were religious or they were, um, and when I say religious, I mean actual nuns or monks or whatever, or they were clergy priests. Um, I've known many people that really have felt like they've made great leaps and bounds and advances in their spirituality and in their just their kind of faith journey, but sometimes they, they found that they were stagnant, and one of the things that I think that we underestimate as Catholics is uh, us forgiving others. You know, because even if we're a Catholic that that actively participates in the sacrament of reconciliation or sacrament of confession, whatever you want to call it, um, both are appropriate, by the way, but if you're actively participating in it on a routine basis, we we often, you know, we can become really good uh, at confessing our sins, but we miss the flip side, that other component of us forgiving others, because a lot of times when we check ourselves, we find that we've, we've either accepted an apology or we've said we've forgiven someone, but we're still wounded. So I think it, when it comes to forgiveness, I think it's important for us to, to allow ourselves to not forgive, almost, for a period of time. Because that's really normal. You mm-hmm. know, when you're out cruising around, like... Well, before, like COVID, when you're like in store, whatever. <laughs> if you bumped your buggy into someone else's or you stepped on someone's foot, immediately out of your mouth, you oh, I'm sorry. Like, you don't even know what you're saying. It just comes out, right? So when we're wounded by other people, I think that when they know that they've wounded us and they actually initiate an apology, sometimes we routinely just regurgitate, I accept your apology or it's okay. Well, it's when we leave that we're left with these feelings of either animosity or anger or just just utter devastation or hurt. And I think sometimes we don't allow ourselves to process that so that we never sometimes move on to forgiveness. Even though we verbally committed to forgiveness to the person, we're still wounded by it. So I think it's important for us to take the time and and not not necessarily like opening old wounds or going to counseling or hashing out huge ordeals. But I think that when we allow ourselves to process the forgiveness and the unforgiveness on our own time, because all of our clocks are different for that. Mm -hmm. And obviously it all all depends on the situation and the severity of the situation. But I think sometimes we don't realize that our past wounds, we we carry so long with us, even though we verbally committed
0: to forgiveness or to the apology. And, you know, that... One of the things that I've been trying to analyze for myself this Lent is when we say the Lord's Prayer, we talk about, you know, we ask the Lord to forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And what I've had to do for myself is I have to break those up into two completely different frames because it's something that we say so confidently something so robotically almost. It's like, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. No, those are two very heavy hitting concepts of forgiveness that you need to analyze and understand. And I know for me, I really had to look at like this first part of Lent was forgive those who trespass against us so much deeper and now I have to go into the part of asking God to forgive me for my own transgressions. Because, you know, it is like what you said, Stace, about how we, you know, we will hold on to so much that we just automatically say forgive. But then it's that huge error that we have as people of forgive and not forget. Right. You're like, oh, you, you're the one who did this. And you just go and he's like, wait, you told me you forgave me. But did you? Did you really do that? And I think that's one thing I've really had to take time in for myself and check myself is, like, when I am forgiving someone, am I truly forgiving them for what happened?
1: Yeah, and like I was saying earlier, I do think that people don't give themselves enough time to process, you know, that. Because obviously, you know, just because someone wounds you and they immediately apologize... I don't think that you can weigh the apology, um, like, uh, which, how, how am I trying to describe this? I don't think that you can actually legitimately weigh uh, the timing of the apology and equate that with the severity of the wound. Does that make sense? hmm I think that that's a natural response, and I think just because the apology comes almost instantaneously with the wound, I don't really think that it's less meaningful I actually think that, that means the person was really cognizant that they hurt you. And they're immediately trying to heal the wound. The thing is, is that in return, we immediately usually accept. But in our hearts, we verbally accept. But in our hearts, we don't really accept. And I think that's where we, we really have to be um, careful. Um, you know, several um, episodes ago, I spoke, uh, Why well, I spoke many times about. The divine office and one of the most fruitful experiences and the biggest uh, graces with the divine office i find is that when you do night prayer um, it always encompasses some version of an examination of conscience whether it's kind of like a curie or it's the confitier there is this examination of conscience component and you know while, I, while it's extremely beneficial to do the examination of conscience before participating in the sacrament of reconciliation and making a good confession, I personally, I really like, it could be, honestly, y'all, it could just be because I'm so much of a doggone failure. Um, <laughs> I like the examination of conscience as a daily thing because there are so many things that I fail at like every day, and there's so many things that I could have did better. And I'm going to tell y'all right now, tomorrow I'm going to make the same mistakes. I just, not cause I'm stubborn, which I am, but, uh, because I fail that often, but there are many times when I'm doing my examination of conscience at night and I'm thinking, you know what, I'm gonna have to do that tomorrow. I, I gotta be better. Like, I gotta be. You know what I mean? It, it's really, if you wanna, like, up your, like, spiritual game, I, I highly think it's gotta be, like, one of my, like, top three things I do because does it make me a better person? That I can't promise y'all, but... It definitely does, me, does make me more cognizant of the things that I'm failing at. Because ultimately, because I'm a very black and white person. So if I'm failing, ultimately, for me, I'm turning my back on God. I might be including God on the major decisions. But the stupid little petty ones, I want to be a good enough person that I'm including him on those also. So an examination of conscience, you know, and it doesn't have to be like 10 pages or, you know, super in-depth. It's just like, even if you don't do like a a formal one, like a, like with the confetti or whatnot, you know, you could definitely just be like, Hey, before you go to sleep at night, you know, Hey, what did I do today that I could have did better?
0: Mm -hmm. You know? Well, I think that when I know for myself, this pandemic has really challenged all of us that we have to check ourselves constantly on how we interact with people. Because so many of us have like cabin mentality of like, I'm in my thoughts, I'm in my ideas, this is what I believe, and damn you if you disagree with me. And people are very defensive right now. Even if you agree on the same topic, it's like that degree of enthusiasm that's become so alienating to other people. And so at the beginning of Lent, I was really struggling to be like, You know, I really wanted to focus on this forgiveness aspect because I just knew in my head that even as a youth minister, I knew I'm like, yes, we have Easter celebrate that the Lord died to forgive all our sins. He did it for all of us. But what does forgiveness truly mean in my life and what it meant? And so I looked at some of the um, some writings by um, Catholic writer Dwight Clow. Um, I was looking at some of his um, research and he broke down some of the struggles we have for forgiveness into four pieces. And the first one is that forgiveness really hurts. And that's one of the things that makes people kinda go like, eh, and dismiss it, and just quickly forgive, but then hold on to that pain and that resentment. And the thing that I found interesting for myself, it is a power struggle for a lot of people, especially those who right now a lot of our power has been taken away. Our free choice has been taken away with all these rules and regulations and yes nos of what we're allowed to do mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine, uh, six foot apart. What are we doing? And so I find that, just in my experience, and Cease, you can disagree with me or agree, um, people are so much more reactive. Right now, even in the smallest of transgressions. People are like, what do you mean? What's going on? Stay away. People are hypersensitive, definitely. Yeah, and that hypersensitivity leads to a struggling in um, being able to dole out forgiveness to all sorts of transgressions. The second one is that people find that forgiving is really, really hard. And I know that seems like a really silly thing to be a reason, but it's just what Stacy was saying before about sometimes you have to step away and take some time before you give, forgive someone because sometimes the wrong is just so big and you just need to have some time. And then uh, two things I found really interesting that I hadn't necessarily put into consideration for myself, but it did uh, after some reflection is the third reason is that, some people believe that forgiveness invites abuse to happen again. If you forgive, it allows the cycle to repeat. And I get that, but I also know that sometimes you just can't control another person. They're going to do and say what you want to do. It's the forgiveness is for you and not just for them. So I guess for me, I struggle with that one because I'm like, "Ah, am I really, I don't know kind of felt like when i read that reason i was like i don't think i I mean
1: i can see that but i think we all know i mean we've all probably had people in our life like that and they were probably unhealthy anyways but that's more along the lines of taking advantage and you know um
0: yeah and then the fourth attribute kind of hits the same token is that it condones bad behaviors and beliefs right they're like if i forgive you i'm just accepting you And again, I think I'm just too outspoken to ever let anyone kind of think like I'd condone certain things. Um, But I guess when I read that, that's where I kind of went like, "Eh, I don't know. Um, For me, one of the things that when I think about forgive those who trespass against us, trespassing is physical, it's emotional, it's mental. And I think people have to identify it for themselves where they have felt wronged. And that's very hard to do.
1: Yeah, and I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all approach. Because I definitely let a lot of things roll off my back. I'm just like, mm, that's not worth it. Whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things. It's like if I say something to you, like your dad could say the same exact thing to you. And even if it was something rude, it's probably going to cut way more than it came from him than it came from me. Mhm. So there's... So many different degrees I think you have to weigh. But, you know, I also kind of subscribe to the theory that forgiveness and unforgiveness is a very selfish thing. Uh, And what I mean by that is that when you're truly trying to become a better person, you can't really get involved in whether, um, was their apology genuine? Uh, What was their intent when they did this or said this? Because you're, you are admitting that you forgive, right? So you have to deal with that almost on a personal basis. And you really can't get into what their intentions were because then you start kind of splitting hairs, right, on, on, on your terms of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's a lot more healthier for both uh, your mental state and your soul that you just kind of work out how you forgive them how you approach that, how, you know, how much time is it going to take
0: and how you go from there. And I think that one attribute to this that I've been trying to really dive in to with forgive those who trespass against us is those who will never apologize to you and those who are not seeking forgiveness, yet you have still been wrong and you are still responsible for not letting them control you and your pain and you still need to forgive and move forward. See,
1: for me, that's easy to rectify in my mind, in my small little brain, because um, I just look at it like this. There's people that have really wronged me in my past, like like bad, and I just look at it like this. So I'm sitting here telling you that. How many people have I done that to? How many people feel that way about me? So for me, I'm just kind of like, I just hope and pray that, you know, I I pretty much, I'll say, oh, yeah, you know, I've forgiven everyone or whatever. Um, doesn't necessarily mean I've forgotten, but I'm definitely not holding a grudge. But I guess my prayer is that, like, anyone that I hurt or wounded, I hope that uh, they would either tell me so that I would be given the chance to genuinely apologize, and obviously there's people that maybe I've hurt that I'll never see again in my life. I just hope they know that I didn't mean it, and that if I was given the a chance that I would sincerely apologize. And I, I pray, uh, you know, for some of the people that I know that I've probably wounded, you know, especially with my words.
0: Well, you know, it's so interesting because sometimes in reflection, you like come across things that you thought you let go and you thought you forgave and you thought you move on. And then they like come up and you're like, ooh, this one actually stings a bit. And you know, in knowing, and of course, uh, any listeners that know me and states, this is not an invitation for counseling. I don't want one. I'm not seeking any support, nothing like that. Um, but when I was going through this and doing some reflection, uh, a couple years ago, uh, I was assaulted in the workplace. And at the time, I was so terrified of losing my job, I didn't report my assault, I didn't go to the police. I didn't go like any sexual assault assault survivor class or anything like that. I was just so terrified that if I told my supervisor what happened to me, I would be fired because I'm a woman. And I was so like, oh, my God, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to believe this happened. I wasn't even in my home territory. I was out of my realm. I was so scared that I was just like, oh, my God, I need to escape. And I, that was my only thought. And at the time I remember calling, (laughs) I felt so bad. I called my super, you know, the person who was in charge of me at the time, young kid. And I'm like, I need you to come help me. (laughs) I didn't tell him what until he picked me up. And he was just so panicked. He was just like, oh my God, oh my God, what are we going to do? And I was just so like, you know, I'm just going to go home. And he looked at me like I was insane. He was so shocked that my fear was my job and not about my physical, mental, emotional safety. I was just like, no, I just need to make sure I have a job. And I used it as a shield. Like, oh, oh, here we go. And then, you know, I returned to work. I did this and that. And I left it and I left it. And it wasn't until a good couple years later That I stumbled into a situation where I felt the same feelings I felt at that time of my assault. And I went, oh shoot, this is back. I didn't think about this. (laughs) And I, instead, I just shut down. It was like a part of me, like, it was like glass broke in my expression. I just couldn't even think. And I knew... I wanted to take this time during this Lent because I didn't want to lose me over something an an animal thought was okay to do to me. I'm like, who cares? I'm I'm not the kind of person that's like, oh, I'm going to sit here and cry about my issues. No, I don't have time. But I did have to ask myself, I'm like, you know, I have to forgive this person because I am sheltering myself away from living. From experiencing. And it just was no go. And so it was really trying. You know. Taking that time. Even when you've been physically wronged. You have to be that person. To be like. Yes. That's majorly messed up. Yes. That is not okay. But you know what? You're here. You're strong. And you can forgive it. Because you can control you. And that's what I've kind of had to come to terms with. But this is like, okay, I mean, this is where I'm at. This is what's happened. I can move forward. Uh, that's just kind of like I have to remind myself all the time, like, all right, here I am. Well, I mean, I have a real, I, I
1: have a survivor mentality. So I just, you know, I just push it all down and keep plugging along. So Isn't that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> I know people who listen to this who know me go wow yep um, yeah because I mean I have uh, you know probably similar situation and I actually see the person every time I go home and we just pretend like it never happened and my husband knows about it and he was like how can you never say anything I'm like what good's it gonna do all this time later I'm like I don't want that I'm like I'm over it' I'm, I mean I've moved on I know if someone is listening to this, it's a mental health professor. They're probably saying like, "Oh, there's no way." No, there is, cause you, you know. I think in my life, I had so many things happening that were out of my control for so long. I mean, even some of my first memories as a young kid, there was so much happening at our house. that was out of our control. You know, um, you just you 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 just come to rely so much on yourself, and I guess part of it is that you expect a lot of bad. So, you just kind of rejoice in the good. You know, when something good comes along, you're just super stoked that, wow, things are going good for a while, that you just don't let yourself get down on those kind of things. And I know that doesn't work for everyone. I'm not, I'm not saying that this is like a plan that y'all should implement. I'm not saying that in any way. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? But it was just the way we were raised, and, you know, as I got older, And you know, I started looking at things and and the person that I was becoming uh, Forgiveness was a was a big factor in trying to discern God's will for me and That was something that you know um, I was cognizant of early on that I had the person I was becoming Was not on par with the person I wanted to become so it was like a clash of two different kind of wills and desires and part of it was, you know, for a long time, you know, I, the one thing I always say is that, you know, no matter the bad things that happened in our family, we always stayed really faithful to God. And I, I was never a person that got angry with God, but I definitely was a person who, um, I wouldn't say I questioned God, but I just wanted to know, how come that also happened? Like, didn't we kind of have enough? Mm-hmm. Or could we catch a break for a little while, you know? And what I did start to notice probably like when, I'm, when I was in my teens was that, wow, I was harboring a lot of resentment and a lot of anger, and it wasn't even because was like, you know, someone had done something bad to me or just the crappy things that had happened in our life. Um, it was just a, just the way I was internalizing things, and it was leading to like this kind of anger, and it just was making me, you know, I had a, a pretty bad temper. And it was just making me uh, someone. I was becoming this person that I didn't envision myself becoming. And I think what was really kind of like made me kind of just all over the place at the time was the fact that I knew I was becoming someone that I didn't want to become. Which to me is almost worse than looking back at, at your life and be like, oh man, I did stupid things when I was a teenager. Oh mm-hmm. man, my 20s were a mess. No, I, I, could, I was so frustrated with myself with my own imperfections, with the way I was handling things, that was just, I don't know, actually looking back, how it wasn't too much for me, to be quite honest. You know what I mean? Because I just, you know how it is. When you, when you, it's one thing to sense impending doom, so to speak. It's another thing when you're processing, this is not going good, this is not going good, (laughs) this is a train wreck, this is a (laughs) train, you know what I mean? And you, like, because that doesn't always happen in life. Like, sometimes... Things happen and you're like, wow, that was dumb. Not going to do that again. And then other times you're in the moment. You're letting it
0: and a knowledge. You're like, oh, yeah, this and you're going to be
1: bad. Yeah, you're super cognizant in the moment. You're like, gosh, this is a train right? This is a disaster. My life is imploding. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's almost worse. Because you're just, and you can't, it's like a snowball, man, going down a hill. And it's just like, you're trying to stop it. But every time
0: you're just getting, you know, steamrolled. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a vicious cycle. And that is what brings me to the second half of Lent that I'm going to be really trying to focus on is when I am asking the Lord to forgive me, us, our trespasses, I really want to look at myself and know about the fact that it doesn't even matter almost what I did in the past. There are some self-destructive behaviors I do now that I can literally be like,
1: Of conscience, even if you start like baby steps and you're like, What did what could I have done better today? Mm-hmm. Like, not even what did I do wrong, what could I have done better? Because, like, if you think about it, like, because I mean, you know, this I'm like a super regimented person, but because uh, you can name a day of the week and I'll tell you what I do on it, that's how boring I am, right? <laughs> but I like it that way, I should say. But all of us, our lives are. If We don't like to think of ourselves like this, but like our lives are kind of mundane. There's a certain amount of task, and You know uh, Chores and thoughts and decisions that we make each and every day. So if we ask ourselves every night, you know um, How could I have done better? What could I have done better today? Because like I said, there's certain things we do every single day and they're so mundane that we don't even pay attention to them That's the thing, but you know Because you think about some of these life experiences we're talking about now. Those are isolated situations that they don't occur sometimes not even more than once in your life, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like you can do nothing but look back on it and say, hey, if this ever happens to me again, or if I'm ever in this situation, this is how I would handle it. But there's all these little tiny things that we can get better at each and every day.
0: And I totally agree. I totally agree that uh, I definitely need to start being better about my own examination of conscious just thinking about what i do but i also think that there are things that i just beat myself up for that the normal typical person would be like why on earth are you upset about that why would you care about what who blah, blah blah thinks of your views on animal rights like Who would care? And I'm just so, you know, there are times where you just sit and you spin yourself into a hamster wheel. Like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said this. What do they think? And I think that's one area that I'm hoping with this uh, new half of the London journey is I want to take time to just really just examine what I have wronged and seek that forgiveness. Um, I know for myself, we've talked about confession a few times on this podcast. And when I go, I usually have such an ax over my head, over such a big thing I know I'm there to confess about, then I forget some of the smaller things that I'm like, oh man, I need to own up to this. I'm just so worried about this big heavy weight that I'm bringing to my time with the priest that I'm dismissing the little things I need to be looking to be forgiven for.
1: Oh see and I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. If my confessor was here I would definitely grant him permission to agree that I one, I, I confess the sin of scrupulosity almost every time I go because I am that nitpicky. <laughs> yeah. And I've actually this is embarrassing but I've actually went to confession and then walked right back in and went I didn't do a good job well, let me do it again and father will go you did a fine job just go do your penance <laughs> and i'm like but and he goes no just go do your penance because and and scrupulosity i mean i'm laughing but oh good lord there's i, I mean i struggle with it a lot but there's definitely periods in my life when it's worse than others you know i mean yeah not a good thing but yeah
0: and, you know, we, when we do go to confession as Catholics, we know that when we confess, we are forgiven. God has forgiven us. And I think the biggest thing is for us in our mortal mind is to truly accept our wholehearted forgiveness. And we always are waiting for the other shoe to drop because as people, we are designed and be prepared for disappointment. We are designed to be prepared for the other shoe to drop and be like, "Oh, you done and messed up," you know. Like they're ready, and I think that that ability for us to truly believe in our soul that we have been forgiven by God, you can let it go.
1: Well, and that's if you think about it. I don't know if you ever thought about this this part about it. That's one of the phenomenal things about Catholic, right? Catholics. So we profess this belief in this guy. That has infinite wisdom and infinite mercy, infinite forgiveness, right? hmm Can absolutely forgive anything, but yet we won't forgive other people. Yeah. Right? That's and we a, won't he, forgive ourselves. Yeah, and we don't forgive ourselves, right? And that was something, actually, I had to learn about, oh, man, probably about 15, 20 years ago. Father was talking to me about it, about, um, have you ever thought, he's like, I know, I know you're well-schooled in theology, he goes, but... Have you ever thought about this on a personal level, Stacy? I'm like, oh, gosh, this sounds like something I don't want to think about. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 trust me on this one. I'm like, all right, what is it, man? He's like, have you ever thought about this? He goes, we work so hard at allowing God to forgive us, but we don't forgive ourselves. And we, you know, we don't forgive others. And we're much harder on ourselves. But if we don't spend nearly the amount of time forgiving ourselves as we expect God to forgive us just because we said we were sorry. But we beat ourselves up. You know, browbeat ourselves constantly over even, you know, tiny things, not even huge things. Right? And I was kind of like, no, I really never thought about it like that. You know? And he's like, yeah, think of, he's like, he's like, for your penance. He's like, that's what I want you to do. I'm like, oh gosh, not one of those subjective penances. <laughs> Because again, with the scrupulosity, That's not good for me spiritually? But he's like, no, I think this is gonna be good for you because you're gonna work for this when I know Father, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I'll do like anything else. I not a subjective penance. And he goes, well, it makes you feel better. You can say, you know, two all fathers or two Hail Marys, you know, in reparation, you know, for all the fallen away Catholics. I was like, okay. And what's the other thing I'm gonna do? And he's like, I want you to sit with the Lord. He's like. Do you have time today? And I went, I'm not going to lie in confession. So, yes, I have time today. <laughs> and he's like, I want you to go and spend at least five minutes right now and sit with the Lord and try to forgive yourself for everything you just confessed to me. He's like, because I know you and I know the way you are and I guarantee you, you're going to walk out of here and you're going to carry some stuff with you. And, it's, and and he's been hearing my confession for a long time. So, he's, you know what? It's time for you. To really start working on forgiving yourself. He's like, because, you know, you're wondering what else you can do to grow spiritually. And he's like, I really feel like part of it might be because you're not forgiving yourself. that You're still carrying everything with you. And I'm like, you know what? That's a really great theory you got going on over there. But uh, I'm good at carrying everything with me. And he goes, yeah, that's why you're here today. Because you carry everything with you. So I did. I mean, I had to go sit, and um, and this guy that I'm talking about, this priest. I mean, we're friends, so you know, we know each other really well. And and I did go and sit, and I started thinking about all these different things, right? You know, I was thinking about all different things I did in my life, all different kind of things I confessed in, the, you know, all the years. And I was thinking, how many things did I actually truly leave in the confessional? And I was like, nope. I'm guilty of reconfessing things, not because, I mean, obviously I make the same mistakes. I already told y'all today I'm a big failure, but, (laughs) uh, I was actually guilty of, you know, reconfessing past sins. Not that I had committed again, just because I still, you know, didn't feel forgiven. And, and, you know, he was like, you know, I see where you're going with that, but now you're limiting God's mercy. Do you want to add that to your list? I'm like, no. And this is not how I thought you were going to turn it around on me. Because <laughs> <laughs> now I have to think about that. And he's like, I know. He's like, I was not seriously debating not telling you that because of your scrupulosity. He goes, but I'm telling you, he's like, I'm trying to motivate you. I'm trying to help you get dig out of this hole. He's like, think about it. He's like, you don't have to answer me. He's like, but how many times did you come and reconfess things that you'd already confessed? He's like, you know what, Stacy? That's on you. God has already forgiven you. If you're waiting for some kind of feeling or whatever it is you waiting for, He's like, that may never come. You got to do that work. He's like, that part's on you. You've got to forgive yourself. And it did. It was. I mean, honestly, I did the bare minimum. I'm not even gonna lie, to y'all. I spent five minutes. I actually <laughs> looked at my watch, and I only spent five minutes because those things are really difficult for me. I mean, he could have told me I had to do a novena or pray a rosary, and I'd be like, oh, my gosh, thank you, Father, thank you, thank you. But when he said five minutes with the Lord like that, I was just like, I don't like this, Mm -hmm. like, at all. It was very difficult. But it really did ingrain in me the fact that, like, I got to start leaving some things, you know?
0: I think that's such a good point because I – lately, one of the things that motivated me – to choose my Lenten sacrifice, was I felt that everywhere I turned when I was on social media, there was this social call for self-hate. It was like you, people were applauded when you admitted you wronged someone or if you called out people out on their privilege or you called them out on X, Y, and Z or you had to check them on their beliefs And it became such a toxic culture where you've got people not only hating themselves, but hating others, that suddenly you were just overwhelmed with this dread. Every time you saw, at least for me, that I saw the app or I heard someone was having a conversation, I was like, oh my gosh, like it was just this poison that I just was like, I kept drinking. Because I'm like, oh, I want to see what's going on. But I would leave heartbroken and disillusioned and then having to constantly assess myself, my choices, my views. And it was, I felt like I was getting so far from the person I wanted to be, the person who I thought I was, and the person that I know God wanted me to be, that it was just gray, it was just, I just kept being like, oh, I am not anywhere where society wants me to be, where God wants me to be, where I want to be. It, it was just very rough. And hearing what you said about forgiving yourself because we're putting limits on God's mercy, that was just such a light bulb as to what I'm gaining from this little time away is that, you know, If God can forgive me for all my crap, which in comparison to other people probably isn't that much. I need to start letting it go. I can't be carrying it forever. And I think that's one thing I definitely want to try to think about in this new half of Lent. Is being like, what am I really carrying with me all the time?
1: Yeah, and, you know, I always make fun that, oh, I just take whatever and I just push it down. That's just the way I've been my whole life. Not advocating that as the proper way to handle things, but that's just the way that I've handled things. And it wasn't until, you know, he started talking to me about stuff like that that I realized that I'm, like, carrying a lot of things that I don't have to. You know what I mean? And it was just dumb. Like, Why? And it's not something, I definitely have not perfected it. It's something that I've revisited again, you know, with my confessor. But one of the last times that we revisited um, you know, we were kind of talking about it again. And, and I said, you know, it, it is getting better for me. It is getting easier. And he says, you know, he's like, I couldn't imagine if you did something really, really bad. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I couldn't imagine what you would be like if you, like, another person's life or you did you know you robbed a bank and i'm like i don't know where you're going with this um but it's not making me feel any better about myself and he goes no i'm just saying because when you come in here he's like you sit o- you sit over there and you literally try to think of everything you've done since your last confession and he goes and you make a good confession he goes but sometimes he's like i can't tell you this as your confessor he goes but i'm going to he goes you sweat these little things, and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, oh my, what would you do if, you know, you had really did something, he's like, they're all sinful, you know, and he's like, they all offend God, he goes, but I'm just saying, this is why you have to, you have to start learning to let some of these things go, you've got to learn how to forgive and to forgive yourself, and um, he says, because, you know, I've been hearing your confession a long time, and. I truly believe when you say, you know, you forgave somebody, you did. He goes, but you just are so stubborn, Stacey. He's like, you will not forgive yourself. He goes, what will it take? And I was like, I don't know. What can I say? I'm a work in progress. But I'm trying. But um, it was it was hard. I, I'd be lying to you. I mean, forgiving myself was probably just as hard as sitting that Stupid, quiet five minutes with the Lord, which I sound (laughs) sacrilegious, but that was the longest... uh, I mean, talk about a deafening silence. Because, I mean, I was completely obstinate. I didn't... I mean, I should have said this in the beginning. Let me backtrack for a second. I I was obstinate. I I was willingly not forgiving myself. That was a part of the conversation we had also. I mean, some people just struggle with not forgiving themselves. I was purposely... Not forgiving myself. I was making a diligent confession, but I was not forgiving myself because I personally just did not feel worthy of forgiveness because those were things that I had done, you know. And I understand that I will probably pay for them in purgatory. But, um, yeah, I was definitely obstinate. I was a full com- fully complicit in not forgiving myself
0: you know, Stace, I feel like we're really similar in this regard because um, I try really hard to remember that I need to practice what I preach. Um, with um, both working with my teenager uh, teenage candidates to my college students at Cuesta, uh, we go through and I teach the conflict resolution process. And one of the elements is that, you know, in order to forgive, there's acknowledgement. Acceptance, forgiveness. I'm just not good at answering. Right? Oh, for <laughs> me, I think that where I struggle is I do some like purpose rearranging. Oh, it's like, to so, yeah, like, elaborate. right? I like do rearranging for myself. Like, I'll be like, okay, I can acknowledge what happened. I can forgive you, but then I can't, I can't, I take my time with acceptance. I go, okay. Accept it later I forgive you so we can stop talking about this but I'm just gonna accept this in my own time and I think that that's something that I get really like nitpicky about for myself is I'll just I'll, like robotically say I forgive but I don't and especially with myself I'll be like oh I forgive myself this wrong but then in my dreams, it comes out in, like, weird ways. And I wake up more exhausted than when I went to bed. And you're just like, God, what is this hell part of aging, you know? It's just like, ugh. And I just, you know, it's going to be a very interesting next half, you know? The first half was all about looking at the whole trespassing, people who crossed, truly trying to forgive those. Um, but this time it's going to have to be on myself, so I'm going to have to, you know, in no way am I advocating this, but I'm going to have some wine or whiskey nights to kind of support me in this little journey. Oh, I don't know if that's, that's called self-soothing, not (laughs) self-forgiveness. Hey, it's a reward system. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
1: Do you want me to get you a trophy now?
0: A trophy of what?
1: Did you participate
0: in life? <laughs> wow, all <of> the <laughs> sass. I want it metal and I want it diamond-crusted. I'm just kidding, no. I, I definitely need think that. It's going to be very interesting. And so I bring this up to our amazing group of listeners. How do you process forgiveness? you know is it easier to forgive others and then yourself or are you like man I'm a boss like I could totally forgive me it's the other people that I'm like get away you know there's a lot there's no like Stace mentioned a couple times in our podcast there's not one size that fits all in this equation at all Um, but we all process different and we have a whole other half of Lent to think about yeah, it yeah and you know what we didn't talk about The interesting dynamic that because
1: people identify us as Catholics, we're expected to forgive.
0: Right. How about that expectation? Ooh, that is just a whole other dimension that we can break down. That's
1: a tangent, but I'm just saying. There is that expectation, that like, holy cow, you just totally wronged me. And now you're talking about turn the other cheek, and you're Catholic, and love and forgive. And I'm like, whoa, wait, let's back up to what you just did to me. Mm -hmm. But there's that expectation Right? Because you're a Catholic. You're supposed to forgive.
0: And forget. So. And that's the secret. Is to forgive and forget. Because a lot of people have the fingers crossed behind their back. And like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then they bring it up like months later in an argument. Like, boom. You're like, where did this come from? So, yeah. There are so many elements to forgiveness. So, please share with us. Share it with us on our post. Share with us. Because we're, like, I love how Stacy discussed it. We are both works in progress. And I think that's one of the most beautiful parts of Lent is that we get to embrace those imperfections and reflect and pray and grow on it.
1: That's why I'm hoping that I live a long life because I need plenty of time to do good for all the bad that I've
0: done. <laughs> so i got to make many reparations. Yes. And so in closing today which Wait, is we're done i know we're done isn't that crazy golly i know this was a, such a fast hour yeah, um is. but you know today i found this prayer for the sinners and i just thought it totally fit my mentality on this uh, so in the, name of the father and the son and holy spirit lord jesus you chose to be called the friend of sinners by saving death uh, and resurrection free me from my sins May your peace take root in my heart and bring forth a harvest of love, holiness, and truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Guys, what an awesome episode of Child by Fire podcast with Stace and Rachel. Uh, Have a beautiful and blessed week, and we'll see you Monday. Take it easy.